welcome to the RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Show, special, just for the hell of it, state of the show episode. My name is Joe Batanz, and I am joined by no one today, just me alone. I wanted to talk about a few things, give you guys a state of what's going on with uh, the show, Patreon, everything, so that you guys, our Patreon supporters, are in the know about the goings-on of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Okay, so one of the first things I wanted to talk about was yesterday I spent the day editing All-Stars 1 Episode 2, RuPaul's Gaffin. Now what I generally do is as soon as I edit it, I post it on Patreon, but I post it in such a way that it always posts on Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific time so that um, I don't have to worry about it. I know you guys are going to get the episode. I don't have to rush on Sunday morning like, oh, my God, the episode has to be on exactly night. I pre-schedule it, and yesterday I accidentally hit publish now instead of scheduling it for Sunday. So I freaked out, and I was trying to edit, delete it. I finally did. So you guys got an email saying, uh, All-Stars 1, Episode 2, RuPaul's Gaffin, available now. And then you went to the link, and it was broken. It's because I deleted it. I've since scheduled it. You'll get it this Sunday. So there's that. Now, because I feel badly about that now you guys were probably like oh my god bonus show even though we just we just released guys we can't shut the fuck up can we a two hour and 10 minute all-stars one episode which little peek behind the curtain i really toyed even to the last minute i toyed with the idea of just splitting that episode up into two there was a very easy spot where we could have done that, and I was consulting with people, and finally someone made the case why I should split it in two. And I was like, you know what? You're right. We will split it in two. That's the best thing to do. And then I got home, and I was like, it'll be so much fucking work to split it in two. I'm just going to just release it as it is. So it is. It is a two-hour and ten-minute episode. Sorry, guys. You know, one of the beauties of the podcast is you can just stop and come back to it later. There. I, I hope the two-hour and ten-minute episode didn't bother you too much. So... That is the king. But now we're going to give you now an additional hour and 10 minutes. Uh, because uh, last week, Taylor and I recorded a, a, a show for Patreon member Sarah Yu. And what we did was she had, had participated in a level where she got a private show, not with her. It's me and Taylor talking. But she also got to set the topic. We had other people who did this, and sometimes they would have us talk about a RuPaul's Drag Race episode, and they were different topics, but she actually sent us a list of questions uh, that she wanted us to answer, and that turned into, I thought, a very interesting conversation between me and Taylor. So it's it's pretty much, if you're one of these people, I'll tell you this, if you're one of these people who likes the first 15 minutes of the show, where Taylor and I just shoot the shit, if you're one of those people who loves that part, you're going to love this episode because an hour and 10 minutes of just that. If you're one of these people who hates the first 15 minutes and you skip ahead until we start talking about RuPaul's Drag Race, don't even bother with this episode. You're going to hate it. Okay? Now, that reminded me, I was just thinking right now as I was talking, occasionally, not all the time, we'll get a tweet or an email. He'll be like, uh, guys, you're just wasting a lot of time at the beginning talking about nonsense. Again, we should just call this episode Peek Behind the Curtain. That is intentional, okay? That is the structure of the show, which is 
the first 15 minutes, we do not talk about the episode. Literally, I have a clock going. I have a timer that I can see, and I'm waiting for it. I'm, I'm where Taylor and I are talking, and we're filling out the 15. Like, is it exactly 15 minutes? No, but when we're close, I wrap it up. I usually wait for a Taylor to say something super awkward about himself, and then I take a long pause, and I say, this week, Naomi Smalls, and then I just, you know, go into that script, or just to make myself laugh. But intentionally, 15 minutes is set aside for us to just shoot the shit. This is intentional. We know we're doing it. It's part of the show. It's part of the plan. If you don't like it, now you know, skip ahead 15 minutes. Even though, again, further peek behind the curtain, and I've not spoken to Taylor about this, but I think on the first few episodes for All Stars, on the main feed, because, you know, now there's the Patreon feed and then there's the main feed, okay? Patreon feed and main feed. Right now this is on the Patreon feed. On the main feed, I think what we're going to do is... We are going to, for the first few episodes at least of All Stars 3, I think what we're going to do is very little, if any, bullshit in the beginning. Because we're going to have, you have to understand something, when we go off the air at the end of a season, so for instance, you guys who are the Patreon fans, Taylor and I for the most part, with with a few exceptions here and there, we haven't gone off the air since June. I think we took a month off. Or two months off. I don't know what it was. But uh, but other than that, we've been on the air with you. There are a, the vast majority of our listeners have been dormant since the end of June 2017. So they're coming back to the show. Not only that, believe it or not, in the episode, in the months between that, we get a bunch of new listeners. I, I never I never understand why, but we do. We get a bunch of new listeners. So and also with any first episode of the show, it's just people who are all of a sudden now, it's episode one, they're like, I think I'm going to listen to a RuPaul's Drag Race recap podcast. And so to get those listeners, they're not super invested in the Joe and the Taylor yet. So I think for the first few episodes of All-Stars 3, I just want to maybe like the first two or three episodes, it's going to be very quick banter with Taylor, and then we jump into the show. Now, here we go. Here, between me and you, look. We're still going to get the banter in, but I'm just going to weave it in to... There's a thought process behind this, people. I'm just going to weave that banter into the segments. So instead of the segments being purely about, you know, whether Shangela and Trixie got in a fight or something like that, if it's, especially if it's a slower episode, we'll weave, like... You know how I do it. You guys know. You guys, I mean, come on. You guys are all pros now by this point. You understand how Joe does things. I'll just like go off on a tangent in the middle of the segment. But I think up front to hook them into the show, very little banter up front. This is okay. You know I talk in tangents. Okay, just Joe, but tangents. But the reason I'm telling you this is, and it took me eight minutes to tell you this. After this little state of the show is done. I am going to play for you a highly redacted version of the episode Taylor and I made for Sarah Yu. The reason it's redacted is the episode was actually, Sarah Yu got such a good fucking episode. Taylor and I told deep, dark secrets about ourselves because we knew only one person was going to be listening. We don't mind if one person hears these deep, dark secrets, but... 
when I decided to release it to you guys, some of the secrets, unfortunately, because it involved people's names and other people, had to be removed from the show. So you're going to hear a bunch of beeps here and there where like entire segments are removed and it may not make complete logical sense why it, but I'm sorry. Uh, if, if you and I meet in person, I will tell you those stories. So, but you get, but you know, the stuff you're getting is still pretty good. Cause I think the episode Sarah got was actually a little over an hour 20. So there's about 15 minutes of material missing from the show. I tried to keep, I, tr- I really did weigh, can we release this information? I wasn't trying to delete it, only if I'm like, oh, we have to we have to get rid of that. Did I delete the information? So you're getting the the best of what is out there. So and I'll be honest with you, the stuff you're missing, nah, there's actually a pretty good story in there that you're missing. Anyway, <laughs> the point is, uh, you're gonna get that at the end of this segment. So you're gonna have the bonus Sarah U episode. You know, also in terms of the show, the main feed. We are going to, one of my goals is to make the main feed. Oh, you know what? You should know this because actually this goes into the next thing I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about Taylor's role going forth on the show. I think there are some uh, worries or rumors uh, out there in the podosphere, if you will, that Taylor is going to either be Donna Sugars or be or Daniel Brewer himself. Neither one of those is true, okay? Taylor the Latte Boy will be, as far as I can tell, a part of RuPaul's Drag Race recap. There's no drama. The only thing is Taylor... I I think this past year was very exhausting for Taylor in terms of podcasting. You know, he has his own podcast. Pod is my co-pilot. And then for Taylor... Uh, watching an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race and then going on the mic and talking about it is very difficult for him, okay? And so he has made it very clear to me that he will do All-Stars 3 and he will do Season 10. And that's it. If, for some reason, VH1 and RuPaul decide to do two cycles a year and they do a fall season of season 11, Taylor will not be on that. Okay? Taylor will not be on that season 11. I will have another co-host. All right? But we'll know way far in advance that that's going to happen. He's only going to do All-Stars 3. He's only going to do season 10. He, I don't think he'll do very many Patreon things at all if he does any. Okay? So that's Taylor's role on the show. And for people who... And we're going to address this part too... It, it thinking about further to All Stars three and season ten. Now those will be released on the main feed, the one that you found us on, the one that's on iTunes for the world to listen to. That's not Patreon exclusive. That feed, the one that's been dormant since June, that will now be from here on out only me and Taylor. We are not going to do the third co-host anymore. I think what happened was, you know, Daniel left sort of suddenly. And there was a lot of chaos that happened between Daniel leaving and then the premiere of season nine. Taylor and I were worried that, you know, this show had been three hosts. And we were worried, will we be able to do a show just, will we be able to do a show just me and Taylor? We didn't know if we could or not. And so that's when we came up with the idea of the rotating uh, third co-host. 
And as you guys heard in season nine, there were some very big successes with a third co-host. There were a lot that were, there were some that were just meh. And then there was one in particular that was awful. And we realized this. And we realized, too, because sometimes a co-host would have to drop out or one fell through or something happened. And we realized, like, you know what? We don't need a third co-host. Like, we would do these episodes last minute, just Taylor and and I would do these episodes. And we would be worried when we did it. We're like, you know what? That wasn't that bad. And then as you guys all heard on season six, I'll be honest with you. I think season six, the private Patreon show, is the best season of RuPaul's Drag Race recap consistently throughout the run of the show. I'm talking about like consistently episode to episode is the strongest season we've ever produced. And it's just me and Taylor. We don't need a third co-host. You know, you listen to those season seven episode recaps. It was new. It was a new thing for us. So... They're not as strong. Season 8 was pretty good. I think All-Stars 2 was pretty good, I'll be honest with you. But we were still figuring things out. Season 6, I think I don't think we've ever done anything better. Again, if I'm being completely honest. So, from here, from henceforth, the main feed show will only be me and Taylor. Unless one of us can't do it, then there'll be a sub. But, from moving forward, it will just be me and Taylor on the main feed. I think I made that point. Okay. Now, I also want to talk about, oh, a little bit of a Christmas present. Um, not for December 1st. So for December 1st, you're, you still owe us a dollar because All Stars 1 is going through. All right. So December 1st, your Patreon, your chart, your credit cards, and, and however you're paying us on Patreon, they're going to be charged. Okay. But I'm letting you right know right now, for January 1st, so not the one coming up, for January 1st, 2018, I am suspending all Patreon dues. So December 1st, yes. January 1st, no. No, so you, you have that month off. And, but, and please, I'm asking you, do not delete it. Because... In January, when the show comes back, when RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 3 premieres, I believe the rumor is end of January, we are going to be doing a bunch of stuff on Patreon. You don't want to leave Patreon. It's going to be great. We're going to produce a whole bunch of bonus content. My, I'll have no life. Let's just be honest. I, I will have no life from January through June or so of 2018. But you guys are going to get a bunch of content in the meanwhile. But for January 1st, uh, all your donations will be suspended. You're not going to owe anything, which is good after the holidays. You, that dollar will not go to us. February 1st will resume, but there'll be a bunch of warning about that. And you're still getting, you know, we, you still owe us a dollar on December 1st because we are still producing content. Okay, so there is that. And then finally, I want to talk about one more thing. I want to address something. So we have a new part of the team. His name is Evan Ayers. You've heard him on the episode where we reviewed the Trixie and Katya show for the that was on the main feed. You've heard him on All Stars 1 episode 1. I've just edited the episode uh, of Evan and I talking about think what I should have said I or me. Evan and me of uh, the episode of Evan and me talking about uh All-Stars Episode 2, 
And last night, Evan and I just recorded All-Star Season 1, Episode 3. Okay? We just recorded that one. That one's called Queens Behaving Badly, I believe is the name of that episode. And I want to talk about Evan. And Evan knows I'm having this conversation. I talked to Evan first before I even recorded, before I even flipped on the mic. I had a conversation with Evan. By the way, we've gotten, for the most part, nothing but nice things about Evan. Okay, this is just me tapping into the zeitgeist. This is me just going, bitches, I fucking know you guys. I know how you are. And uh, I know how things work. And for the most part, I realize that people don't like change. They don't like new things. They don't like, you know, oh, that, that it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I want to address some things with Evan. I'm making my official statement right now with Evan. Okay? First of all, you should know that Evan recorded... So the first time... Okay, no. Here's the history with Evan. So I first encountered... I've I've never met Evan face-to-face. But I, I first encountered Evan at the end of the summer 2017. And he's a... We have a mutual friend. Sweet Michael. And I... Made a joke on his Instagram page that was like an obscure RuPaul's Drag Race joke. I knew that he watched RuPaul's Drag Race. It's all I knew, and he knew exactly what the reference was. And so that sparked the conversation. And in speaking to Evan, I realized, like, oh my god, this kid knows so much about RuPaul's Drag Race, and that's probably one of the things that you guys don't realize or you haven't got a chance to see yet, but Evan actually knows a great deal about RuPaul's Drag Race. Almost the way that a kid would know about every fact about his favorite baseball team or might know every fact about Star Wars or, you know, he nerds out over RuPaul's Drag Race. So maybe it hasn't come out in the air as much, but his knowledge about all things Drag Race and particular episodes and what people wore and what they said and storylines and facts is unrivaled, okay? I've never met anyone who has as much knowledge at his fingertips about RuPaul's Drag Race as Evan. So I figured, you know what? This kid might be a good addition to the team, okay? So he and I did a test episode where it was just... Evan and me uh, talking about an episode of, I think we talked about Scream Queens. Taylor and I had just recorded Scream Queens for season six. And so the script was written, the clips were pulled, they were there. And so we did a fake episode as if Evan was a part of the show. And we were recapping season six, Scream Queens, episode three, I think that is. And so we had that episode and then Taylor listened to it and Taylor gave his blessing. One of the reasons I wanted to start working Evan into the into the mix is for the reasons that I just explained earlier is Taylor has made it very clear that he wants to keep his role on the show limited to those two seasons. So I wanted to have and also based on the experience we had on season nine where a, a co-host would drop out. We would have no one. You know, it would be like, we'd be like, what the fuck do we do? So what happens if Taylor gets sick? What happens if I get sick? We have to have somebody who knows how the show works, who has a microphone, who knows how to do it, who can be at the ready in case we need a sub co-host. That way you get a show. Okay. Still with two people talking about the show. So 
on that test episode, look, that was the first time Evan had ever spoken into a microphone about RuPaul's Drag Race. And that was in August, late August, like August 27th or something. So we took that into consideration. We're like, okay, he feels kind of new. There we go. Months go by. And now it's time. We know we're going to do All-Stars 1. We know how that's going to go. You know, then there's the whole Trixie and Katya drama that we need to review that show. And I know, happen to know that Evan is a huge Trixie and Katya fan. So I say, you know what? We should have Evan on the Trixie and Katya episode, and we need to record All-Stars 1 with Taylor. And because November was a very busy month with Taylor, we recorded it in the very early days of November, and we recorded both episodes at the same time. So even though they are weeks apart, you got the Trixie and Katya episode like November 4th, and we released it very soon after we recorded it. We got, you got it, I don't know when you got it, but early November, you got the Trixie and Katya episode. And then uh, this past Sunday, you got All-Stars 2 episode 1. I'm going to even give you a further peek behind the curtain. We're so deep behind the curtain, there's no more curtain, okay? We recorded, not only did we record both episodes the same day, we recorded All-Stars 2 episode 1, It Takes Two. We recorded that first then we took a short break, and then we recorded the review of Trixie and Katya. And if you listen to that episode, we I make a joke like, oh, Taylor, meet Evan, because we knew that that episode was going to air first. But meanwhile, Evan and Taylor, as you just heard, had been speaking for two hours and ten minutes before that about RuPaul's Drag Race. So All-Stars 2, episode one, the episode you just heard, is the very first time Evan has ever spoken in front of a microphone about RuPaul's Drag Race knowing that it would be released to the public. So he's nervous. He's new. Okay? Same thing with Trixie and Katya. Further peek behind the curtain. I think we actually talked about this on, on last night's episode. Evan didn't know how this whole thing worked. He didn't know that we, Taylor and I often do. We pause, we take a break, and then we come back and pick up where we left off. And so Evan, the entire time, he had held his bladder in for three hours, and he had to pee so badly he was in pain. So during that episode, all he could think about was how he had to go pee, not realizing he could just say, hey, guys, I need to go pee, you know? So those are the first two times he was ever on the air. Episode two is going to be out soon. You'll hear it. But I'm going to, before I even say anything about that, let me tell you guys this, and you don't realize this, and it's going to, to explain what I'm going to say, I have to compliment me and Taylor. Taylor and I are very good at what we do, and it's not because we have a natural gift. It's because we have been doing this for a very long time. So in January, it will be five years that I've been podcasting consistently every week, That'll be five years in January. Taylor has been doing it for over 10 years. So he and I both have a lot of experience in terms of pumping out a regular podcast, but also how to speak on mic, how to speak. And so it sounds very natural, but it's a skill. There's a skill. Guys, I've been talking for literally 24 and a half minutes. And with the exception of a couple of like times I almost burped, I'm editing no, nothing, right? I'm going to go back and take little edits out where I'm like, Ugh, like that, okay? 
So it's a skill. And so imagine, I'm telling you, any one of you, unless you have a regular podcast you've been doing for a, a while, if you popped on mic, you would realize how difficult it is to actually do what we're doing. And in fact, some of the weaker people who were co-hosts, not the weakest, actually, the weakest had the most experience, but some of the weaker people that you guys would write in about us from season nine, that was the first time they had ever talked on mic about RuPaul's Drag Race. It is a different skill set, and it's like learning to ride a bike or learning to walk or learning to chew or I don't know how, things, skills. Okay, it's a skill set. And I'm going to tell you, so episode one and Trixie and Katya, yeah, it's a little rough because the kid has never done it before. Okay, episode two, a little less rough, but now he's super self-conscious, right? I'm going to tell you something. I feel confident saying this. I haven't edited episode three yet. I'm going to do it probably as soon as I do this. Haven't edited episode three yet, but I can tell you right now, it's significantly better than where he was two weeks ago. Okay. So he is, he's determined to get better. He's working hard to get better. He's working at it. He's practicing. And I think you will see a marked improvement. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to groom him. That's the whole point of all-star season one. And you guys get the benefit in hearing that, I think. Unfortunately, I didn't realize how awful All-Star Season 1 is. But that's the thing, guys. Here's the thing, and we address this. Evan, is, in in any way, is getting a trial by fire. For anybody who has to talk about RuPaul's Drag Race, this is a chore to talk about this season. Because it is so boring. Right, So now you have a person who's never done podcasting before, never spoken in front of a microphone before, doesn't know all the things you have to do to talk in front of a microphone, and you're asking him to talk extemporaneously about probably the most boring season of RuPaul's Drag Race ever produced. So I predict by the end of this, Evan will be not very good. I mean, he'll still be a lot of experience needed, but he'll be... A lot better than you think. And, and, and I'm telling you guys, I know you've only heard episode one so far. Episode two, you'll hear he's a little better. And then episode three, I think episode three is a tipping point. I'm not going to lie. I think he feels much more comfortable on episode three. More comfortable in his own skin. More, more comfortable what he's talking about. Funnier. We have. More. And by the way, it goes both ways. So I obviously have a level of comfort because I know Taylor. And so the chemistry is a lot better. But you'll hear All-Stars 1, Episode 3, you know, I'm, I'm getting to know Evan as well. And so that chemistry, I'm feeling more comfortable talking about things, finding out my parameters, what he finds interesting, what he doesn't find interesting. So what I'm saying is give Evan a chance. Leave Evan alone. By the way, and I want the record to show, because Evan's going to hear this. We have not received really anything negative about Evan. This is really seriously... My just trying to put it out there in case you guys are thinking about it. I know how Drag Race fans can be, okay? And so, look, if you don't think this, this whole rant meant nothing. If you're like, no, Joe, we get it. He's new. I don't know why you explain it to us. Fine. No harm, no foul. But if you were thinking it, this is my official position as the host of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap on Evan airs and his future with the show and what I think about his performance on the show so far. 
Okay. So that is what I have to say. I hope it wasn't too boring. I hope you uh, managed it. But as I told you, as a reward for sitting through this diatribe, what I'm going to give you right now is the bonus episode. It's Joe Batant's Tale of the Latte Boy creating a very special private episode for Patreon supporter Sarah Yu. Hope you enjoy it. Sashay away. Until next week. Welcome to the RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Show, special Sarah Yu edition. I have no way to finish that sentence. My name is Joe Batanz, and I am joined, as always, by an amazing co-host from the podcast Pod is my co-pilot. Please say, waka waka waka, to Taylor the Latte Boy. Well, we don't have a quote from the show. I know, I know, but that's, that's fine. Hello, Sarah, and hello, Joe. Hello, Taylor. Hello, Sarah. How are you? Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> oh, I thought you yeah. were asking Sarah. And I, I, yeah, wouldn't it be I, weird if Sarah responded? That would be extra creepy, but really cool. There's a lot of 80 songs with Sarah in it. Jefferson, so that, uh, not Jefferson, uh, Starship Sarah. That's that the one that goes, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. Something, dee, dee, the stars dee, are moving, blow in, and your the winds blew. blew oh fuck! It's, and then, the, well, how does Sarah smile go? Sarah, <laughs> wait, I, I, I have Spotify. What am I doing? Do 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 how many Sarah, songs do you think there are? Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. That is that song. Sarah, smile. Oh, wow. Let's see. That's that 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 I Hollow Notes is definitely a hit or miss for me. Certain Hollow Notes songs I love, and certain Hollow Notes songs are not. But Sarah Smiles is a good song. And if you're listen, looking for a good album of Hollow Notes songs, mm-hmm. The Bird and the Bee. The band, The Bird and the Bee, did an entire album of Hall & Oates cover songs, of Hall & Oates covers. That is amazing. I didn't know this was on Spotify. What? It's, it's like a weird cabaret song, but listen to it. It's actually your life. Somewhere. Where it is, I do not know. But I long to write and tell her. That I love her so. I believe I might do many oh, Broadway songs yes, just go I way too might long. Destroy myself if I ever found her missing from my grocer's shelf. Just fractures me. Give me a taste of your cherry day. I'm only playing because I'm trying to find the other songs. I love my mother, but you can't compare her, not with Sarah Lee. Okay, how about this one? God, Mike, you, now with my computer now, mm-hmm. if, if you, uh, this is, you, this is Sarah Smiles. Yeah. If you uh, if you have two programs open, it's uh-huh. fucking the fan is just going. 
don't know the words. I can feel you watching in the night. Oh, have you heard the latest episode of our show? No, I just told you. I listened to 198. I had no, no, to no, no, no. One- Drag Race Recap. Oh, with the share song? Uh-huh. Yeah, it sounds horrible. <laughs> I know, but it I love it. It sounds horrible, so but it made me laugh through the whole thing. I, I love it. So funny. I think we should end every season with a song. And when I oh. feel I can't go wrong, I will say this. The beginning of the Meet the Queens for All-Stars 3, where I come in and say, does anybody want a hot latte? I have listened to that numerous times because you laughing as hard as you did makes me smile. (laughs) So that is one of these. Every time we listen, I don't listen for me, my joke. I listen for your laugh. So I have said forever that one of my favorite sounds is when I get Joe Batanz to laugh because then I know that I have, I have, I have. I'm in the zone. So now, who sings the other Sarah song, Starship? Uh, the Starship, yes. And then the Bird and the Bee does a cover of this song we're listening to right now. Starship? No, Sarah. Star- Maybe she spell it differently. Oh yeah, Sarah is spelled S A R A. Yeah, same thing with Sarah Smile. I just always remember when I was a kid, my mom trying to win like. $500 on some radio stations and when she heard the song and then she had like her like she was making pancakes or something came on and she was like <laughs> frantically running around the kitchen that's awesome I think mm-hmm. for a bonus Patreon show yeah you should watch an episode of Drag Race with Betty McCants she won't do it and just do commentary. Just, just a, where you have the audio record, you have the audio recorder on your phone, and you just sit and talk about it. Oh, like she doesn't know? Well, I mean, I don't know if that's legal or not. Just she's not. Man, I'm not gonna sue me. <laughs> Sarah, the storms are brewing in your eyes. Oh, that was about as flat as you could possibly go. Okay. Goodbye. Who I love how famous was, movie star was in that video. I have to break something to you. And I, I was trying to tell you this when we were recording. Uh, Sarah won't have heard the All Stars episode one yet. It comes out this Sunday. But I, when I was editing it, I was like, you can hear me going, but, but, Taylor, but, and because I actually only watched maybe a couple episodes of Designing Women, you know, <sighs> and there's some. There's some music video that you reference. Oh, Express Yourself. I don't think I've ever seen the Madonna Express Yourself video. <coughs> what? Yeah, I don't think I've ever no, seen it. No, you're lying. You I'm are not lying. lying. I'm not lying. Oh, well, if you want me to do All Stars 3, you have homework before. <laughs> oh, I don't oh, I don't mind watching a three-minute video. <laughs> I love the Express Yourself video. That's one of my all time. That's an iconic video from us growing up. It's where she yeah. wore the suit and she licked the bowl of milk. And she, really? I, I don't know what you're talking about. She, she's never looked better. That's not true. That's probably not the best. What's your favorite Madonna? Uh, my favorite all-time Madonna song is Vogue. No, Especially, no, no, no. Her look. That that blonde ambition era. The whole with the short, curly um, bob. And when she, when, when she was in Dick Tracy, when she did Blonde Ambition and Truth or Dare, that to me is the pinnacle of her look and then 
she started doing the weird thing where she like shaved off her eyebrows for the erotica and doing all erotica stuff and everything. And I was not as big of a fan then. I'm going to tell you something. My favorite Madonna look of all time. I don't know if you know this. I've seen in person. Okay. When I was in college, I had a very popular humor column, but I also was the entertainment editor. Mm-hmm. And being as close as I was to Los Angeles in my college, um, I used to go to a lot of the press junkets and interview celebrities and stuff like that. And uh, uh, the woman who, well, they had like an, in, they had basically the, the college equivalent, like an intern that worked at, um, the, at the, all the different studios. But this mm-hmm. one was at Disney. And they needed to feel, fill the bleachers with people, particularly young people, for Evita, for the red carpet. Okay. And she was like, if you can fill, fill those bleachers with people for the red carpet, I will give you two tickets to the premiere. Oh. Yeah. All right. So I did, and I took John Paul with me. And uh, we went, and then we were in like we were in like the balcony. But for some reason, Madonna sat in the front part of the balcony. So we were only like ten rows behind Madonna, okay. and she was wearing that like crushed red velvet, like form fitting dress with like the black veil. It was also the first time she'd been in public since giving birth to Lourdes, or Lourdes, Lourdes. Okay, I I kind of remember it, uh, red, right? Like a red yeah. velvet. Yeah, yeah. I'm such a faggot. I swear to God that I remember something that Madonna wore to her premiere 20 years ago. And we still haven't spoken about anything that Sarah wanted to talk about. But, I, you know, I get the sense Sarah doesn't care. I mean, we're going to get to it. But it's not like oh, Sarah yeah. and like, I really need to know, you know, I'm going to run down the list. I'm gonna, you know what? Why don't I read the letter where she gave her her topics? Okay. Okay. And then we'll hit it as we go down. Okay. Right? And I'm going to do it my best Sarah you voice. What? I, I I don't know what you're getting ready to do. <laughs> so. Hi, Joe and Taylor, who will probably read this later. This is going to be a bit long. Sorry. I pretty much find both of you to be hilarious. And oh, she had a typo because she put both of us. To be, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> to be hilarious and interesting. Then I wouldn't mind if you guys just spent however long you wanted talking about whatever. Oh, OK, there you go. We're done. <laughs> we did the first part of <laughs> We don't have to pay attention to any more of the rest of the letter. Listen, I might even put parts of what we were talking about earlier in there. The the the, the, the okay for broadcast parts of it. Okay. Um, I personally love all the tangents from the podcast. They're actually my favorite part. LOL. I listen to both. Should I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I, <laughs> I listen to both of your other podcasts, though I haven't listened to Pod of my is my co-pilot from the beginning because there are just too many episodes. Listen. I people I don't know no one ever wants to go back to the beginning of catching up ever okay but people all the time and Taylor maybe, Taylor, maybe you want to address this they want to go back to the beginning of pod is my co-pilot and why I've never <laughs> wow, had that thanks. De- I've never had that desire yeah, I don't, look Taylor I don't have that desire for my own show yeah we're coming up on 200 episodes we're getting people to listen to the old episodes for us <laughs> You know, I think so, that the reason why can I answer that mm-hmm. question or which sure. right? okay. no. I think the reason why is because our show has really we we are like a mini soap opera in which characters have grown up, characters have gotten married, people have met you know their spouses 
and talked about it on the show and everything. Mm -hmm. So you get to hear those beginning parts, but we don't have it listed as far as if you listen to episode this, that's the first time we talk about Babalu or the first time we talk about Sprout, you know, or we talk about the fact that the littlest Huffington who just got married, that she was, you know, 10 when we started doing the show. So it's, it's fun to go back and listen to that kind of stuff. You know, on Friday, and I think you and I have talked about this a little bit. Uh, maybe we haven't. Um, you know the guy Eric Vera from uh, the rundown of RuPaul's Drag Race? Yes. He interviewed me for over two hours on about Friday. About Pod is my now, co-pilot? <laughs> about, uh, kind of, actually. He, he, it, it went to a lot of places. He listens to Catching Up as well. I think Pod is my co-pilot came up as well. Because he listens to that as well. And... Uh, I was talking about catching up, and and I don't know what your thoughts are on Pod as my co-pilot, but when I first started catching up, which was my first podcast, you know, I was telling anyone who would listen to listen to this podcast, right? Uh-huh. And over the years, I've gotten to a place where I not only do I tell people, though, not only do I not tell people to listen. I actively encourage people to not listen. I have people sometimes will say, like, what's the name of your podcast? I want to check it out. I'm like, no, you don't. Don't. Yeah. I've, because, I've done the same thing with a yeah. couple of people. Where I've said, no, you don't need to know the name of it. Yeah. I, I want the freedom to talk shit on people in my life. Yeah. And, and, I, and I see catching up. No longer do I see it as a medium to reaching the masses. I now see it as... We're coming up on five years. Five years of my life, uh, of a journal. I have a journal of five years of my life. You have a journal of ten years of your life. Yeah. And so I want the freedom to not be able to – I want the freedom to be able to talk about this. But in doing so, we do have a small audience who've been there on Catching Up, and they become invested in our lives. Now, this is not something we're trying to do. Um, I think Mike would actually prefer we didn't, you know, <laughs> but, uh, we have now, you know, again, like I said, and the same thing is true for you. There are people and there are people that we don't even know exist who listen to our lives and are invested in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird, weird, but kind of yeah. cool at the same time. You know, where and we have people like Sarah that that, you know, send messages to us, you know, especially with this podcast. And we definitely have, I would say, a handful, probably about a couple dozen or so people that I recognize pretty frequently in my Facebook feed or in my Instagram feed or something that, you know, they're the regulars that listen to a lot of the shows of the Pride 48 Network. Yeah. And then you occasionally we will get a random email from somebody who says, I've been listening for the last seven or eight years, and it's a name I've never heard before. I know nothing about this person. And they talk about how, whether it's this show or whether it's Pot is My Co-Pilot, how it has affected them over the years and thank us for what we do. Mm-hmm. And it's just – it's weird. I mean, you know, I, whereas I know the names of probably off the top of my head, like I said, I could list 20 people – when I look at our downloads for Pod as my co-pilot, there it's much more than twenty, mm-hmm. and it's just weird to think that there are people out there that I will never know listen to the show. Because I think about the fact that I listen to lots of shows that I have never reached out to people, so they have no idea that I listen to them, and so it's just well, odd. Think about Patreon, like 
we have over 250 people who support us on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Okay. We only really know of a handful of them, probably what, 40? If Maybe? that. If that. If that. It, I mean, you you have people like Sarah and a couple of other people that pretty much respond to Jordan Na- Darling. Nami Harder. Na- Nami Harder. Um, Sterling. Starling. Oh, yeah. Stephen um, Starling. Stephen Starling. That respond to every episode either on the Patreon page or on uh, – send us an email or something like that. So – yeah, when you think about and those are just Patreon listeners. We you mm-hmm. know, when you think about all the other people that listen to us, it's it can be intimidating when you think about it. You know, it's one thing when you, we do our shows that, you know, I don't know what catching up's numbers are. I don't I don't want to know, you know, but I know I what know. our numbers. I don't know either. Oh, okay. Well, I I just know what we have pales in comparison to what the downloads that we get for Drag Race. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I think about that, it is multiplied by X, my, the, my voice going out to people. It can be uh, – if I let it get in my head, then I'm a little like, oh, I don't want to say anything. But no, but here's the deal. Look, even a low a, a, a low downloaded number – I don't know what the right word is – a poorly downloaded number of our, uh, for episodes for our show is still 10 times what Catching Up's numbers are. Right. So – yeah, it's crazy. All right, let's move on. I've always loved hearing the little tidbits you guys have shared on the Drag Race Recap Show regarding how you two became friends. Oh, that's another thing I want to talk to you about. And what kind of people you two are outside of Drag Race Recapping. So I was telling Mike Lawson immediately afterwards, because it really was, as much as I make fun of, as you'll hear in, in, in the episodes when you get to them, I'm catching up, of, the, of Eric and how bad of a communicator he is. <laughs> the interview itself, because... He listened. He was a really good listener. And B, knew enough about my life and my work mm-hmm. to ask the right questions. I thought it was a really good interview. But I said things later. My, I told Mike's like, oh, I really want to hear it. Because it's really two hours of me just talking about Joe Batanz, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, one of the things I talked about was how Mike and I met. And I shared... My end, but I don't even know if Mike ever and I really talk about it. So we've never talked about it on the show. I know that. But Mike and I met on planetout.com. Do you know what that website is? Kind of, yeah. It was like owned by AOL. Yeah, I kind of remember. But when AOL had like channels that you could. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we, have, we met on there. We both lived like a few miles from each other. So we ran into each other. There weren't that many gay people on there. And I'm and I'm being honest, and but Mike and I have never discussed this, and this is why I feel kind of icky because Mike and I have just never discussed this. Mm-hmm. But for like a hot New York minute, there was a oh, who's this guy? You know, mm-hmm. for on, I can't speak on his end for my end, right? right? But I'm not even joking. Within one or two phone calls or something, it, it dissipated. But that was the initial. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was like 24 years old or something, maybe 25. Yeah. And he was like 19 or 20. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I still date the same age. <laughs> I was going to say st- well, that's within your wheelhouse. Yeah. White, and, skinny, and 19. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, and damaged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sociopath with issues. <laughs> so, uh, 
uh, that's how we. But I mentioned that in the show, and I was like, "Oh, Mike and I have never talked about that. Is that going to be weird?" But uh, yeah. So, um, but how did you and I like? I know how you and I first met, and we talked about this in the show. But just to recap for Sarah, I want you to give your version. I honestly, I guess the first time we met and really had a conversation was probably in Vegas, right? For one of the Pride, but not the first Vegas. I would say the second Vegas. Yeah, the first the the first Vegas we were both at. Yeah, we didn't see. I remember talking to you, but maybe we just didn't talk. I think you were. It was you were hanging out with Mike a lot, and I would go up and like say something. And I remember actually, I don't know if I ever told you this. I wouldn't say I got mad at Mike. But Taffy said something kind of cunty to me. <laughs> like, I walked up and I just had my interaction with Mike that I usually do, you yeah. know? And she, you guys were standing there, and then I can't, for the life of me, I would say, I can't remember what it was, but she said something cunty to me because she was sticking up for Mike, because in her eyes I was attacking Mike, right? Yeah. And... Well, I might have poisoned her towards you in the beginning when I first started listening to Catching Up. So that might have been why she immediately went into Mama Grizzly mode as far as when you started in on him. But and I remember being like, who is this bitch? Whatever. <laughs> right? And telling Mike, like, and pulling Mike aside and going like, uh, what is going on here? What is this? And then he was like, no, she's just, she doesn't know you, blah, 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 blah. So that was the first one. The second one, everything was a lot better because that was the roast. And so we had to interact more with the roast. Yeah, and so I think you and I had real real conversations then, and uh, and, I, and you and I, I you and I hung out in your if I memory serves you and I hung out in your hotel room and talked shit about numerous people for hours, and I think that was the that was the official bonding moment oh, was when yeah. we realized, oh, this person annoys you too. Okay, let's talk about that for a little bit. Let's talk about that. So yeah, and I then Taffy that's... and I had like a breakfast together where we were because. T- she had to write jokes about you and stuff like that. And, yeah. And well, you guys that, sat in the one bar that was closed. Yeah. In like the shopping center. And I came over and sat towards the end and sat with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, right yeah. by, right in front of the, the bar in front of the buffet at the Excalibur. Yeah. 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 So now it'll be, it would actually be weird to see you again because we've become much better friends since then. Mm-hmm. So uh, that should be interesting. But that's how you and I met. And as I've mentioned many times on the show, you hated me. Uh, as Mike, uh, worst keeper of secrets ever. <laughs> I didn't hate you. Oh, maybe I did kind of hate you. I, I, I didn't. I didn't like the way you talked to Mike because you went. You did this thing, and I'm sure now it was a bit. But mm-hmm. you do this thing where Mike would tell a story, and you would go, ah, "You're the worst gay ever." Oh this yeah. Is why? And, yeah, and that yeah. was like. Every time he told a story, it turned into why Mike was the worst guy ever. And I only really knew Mike at that point. And I felt very much like, why are you talking to this, like, this this sweet, giving guy <laughs> yeah. in this way? And it it eventually and, – and you you were very you, – your defenses were up. Your defenses were very much up on that first 20 episodes or so of yeah. catching up. You're right. And you were, you were very, you know – Waka 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 to, to describe, you know, or to, to quote back to earlier. And then over time, you became, your defenses came down and you became more the Joe that I enjoy now. Yeah. At a certain point, uh, you just, you, you can't fake it anymore in front of the mic. You just can't.
And I'm telling you, I don't know how far back into catching up Sarah's gone, but there's a story about Mike and I. Gosh, once again, I I really do kick myself here for this. We were having a burger, and a very attractive, developmentally disabled guy was. I do love this story. Was seductively eating his French fries in front of me and Mike, and at first I just thought he didn't know how to eat French fries. But then he walked up to me and Mike, and he was like, are you guys gay? But I think he meant together. And we were like, yes. And he goes, I will totally go. If He asked if we drove there, too. <laughs> and I was like, uh, whatever. He knew we had a car. He goes, I will totally go in the parking lot and blow you guys right now. And Mike was like, let's go. <gasps> no, no, no. He meant, like, let's leave. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to no. say, that's not how the story no, went. No, no, no. He was like, God, let's get out of here. And I was like, oh, where do you work? He goes, the Walmart parking. Like, he he put he gathered shopping carts at Walmart right. up the street. Mike insists that I went back there immediately afterwards. But no, I didn't. I Now, look, don't get me wrong. There were some very lonely nights where I thought, like, huh, I wonder if I should just cruise by that Walmart parking lot and see what it's doing over there, right? But uh-huh. I didn't. I never did. But that's why I was like, Mike had this weird, like, but I don't know why going to the park and having anonymous sex with, like, look, developmentally, developmentally, wait, developmentally disabled people can have sex. Yeah. They're human beings. They're human beings. They have 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 sexual needs. Now he's, now one of the things Sarah brings up, she wants to know what kind of people we are outside of Drag Race Recap. I feel Drag Race Recap and Catching Up, I'm pretty close to those people in real life. Yeah. I, I don't what you see is what you get with me really for the most part other than i i occasionally have a much darker sense of humor that when i'm with people that i know can handle it i will i will crack jokes that i would never crack on drag race or even pot is my co-pilot i will occasionally say horrible horrible things kind of especially especially with the field that i work in and everything you have to have that gallows humor but while i recognize some people appreciate a morose or dark sense of humor and the level to which I go and you go. I also recognize there are certain phrases and wording that if I used it on the show, it would, there would be such a backlash that I, we would, it would, it wouldn't be worth it to make the joke. Sarah, what Taylor's trying to say is he, he regularly uses the N word. Just like, yes, that's clearly what I'm saying at clients, (laughs) at some of my clients. That's, you know, every every racial epithet that you could think of. That's I have I have a Rolodex in front of me that I occasionally just pull them from and say, do you know what this means? And what what do you think a listener would be surprised at about you? I guess a better question. What would surprise them? My enormous penis. Uh, No, uh, something that they would surprise that would surprise me. Surprise them uh that how easily i can become emotional Mm -hmm. i think that there you know and this kind of speaks a little bit to what we were talking about before that i made a joke on the meet the queens for all stars three about crippling anxiety and i Mm -hmm. feel like that that is something where that is happening more and more to me where i have I become very, very overwhelmed and kind of shut down. So, but then, then kind of like podcasting where I will 
turn it off. Like, you know, when I have clients, like I can't be sitting with clients where I'm just looking out the window going, I'm sorry, what? When they talk, I mean, I have to kind of focus on them. But then there are times that all of a sudden I'll just get like, oh my God, I have this and I have this and I have this and I have this. And and I get just, it gets to be too much. And then I become mean. Like, I, and I, I know that you make the jokes about how I'm mean to you, but I become, I could become downright ferocious if I don't check myself. I think what people would be surprised at with me, it, I would say it's twofold. Because one that even surprises me. One, I would say, I think I'm a lot more thoughtful than people think I might be. This is myself complimenting myself. But mostly because I think I come off as one of these, like, uh, doesn't give a shit about people, I think, kind of things. I don't think that. Oh, really? No. I think if you go back if you go back to those first 20 episodes of Catching Up, mm-hmm. yes, over time, you... Especially after the Cameron breakup, oh yeah, you are definitely you have definitely let your your underbelly show your soft your soft spot show a little bit more on the show, and you know we talked about this on I think the last episode of season six is that you 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 occasionally will say things on the show or you will have such insight on something that I. Or, and I'm talking about catching up in particular, but even even Drag Race, where you'll say things sometimes, and I'm like, "Oh my god, that's brilliant! Why did I not think of that?" And it makes me every mad. sentence, huh? Every sentence, every sentence, every sentence. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, god, uh-huh. he's like God. He's a genius. But it, you'll you say things sometimes that I am just like that. That that is somebody who spends time thinking about things. So when you say you don't think that people think you're thoughtful, I, I, anybody that's paying attention knows that you're a very thoughtful person. Well, going to the camera thing, but it's not a camera thing, is the one thing that surprised me, and I've talked about this maybe even with you, is in a lot of ways I'm very much who I am on the podcast, and there's a lot of my life where I'm very, very confident. But with the Cameron thing, and I, it not it doesn't concern me with Cameron, but I'm like, is this a, is this something I have to fix before I get into a real relationship where I feel like I've become in romantic relationships needy, which I didn't used to be like that. Like in fact, the stories I have from being in my twenties in college, I was a <laughs> fucking dirtbag asshole. Like the love him and leave him kind. Not that I'm like, oh, Lothario, you know, but more like, God, the things I did to people now horrify me, you know. Um, it was easier to lose people back in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I would just ditch them. I would fuck them and ditch them. Yeah. And because uh, you could have up to five AOL screen names. So you could. <laughs> I, I just remember, I always remember this guy named. And he was super cute. And, uh, you know, like I said, I had a very popular humor column. But he was like a rising star on the school uh, associated student body. Like he was like treasure or something like that. And he was Mm -hmm. gay. He was openly gay. And he told people like, Joe Batanz wants to sleep with me. But he is not going to get this. And I'm like, I never, that never crossed my mind. Mm -hmm. But now I will. And I will say this. It was probably the fastest seduction I've ever had. Like, it was, meet, let's meet up for coffee. Let's order the coffee. Not even halfway through the coffee. You want to go back and fuck? Yeah. 
and like did it and then like he's like i want to be your boyfriend we could be like a power couple here at school and i was like yeah baby whatever you want blah, blah, blah. fuck right whatever romantic night watch the ocean you know the sun come up over the ocean which is impressive because you live on the west coast <laughs> Oh, you're right. But well, the sun rose while we were at the ocean. You're right. That's like, <laughs> we were there at sunrise. We may not have seen it come up over the ocean, but you're right. Right. So, um, uh, I had a pager, and he would page me, and I would do this thing where he would page me, mm-hmm. and then I would do. I can't remember what it was, but I would basically call the wrong number on purpose, like his house, you know, or like I don't remember. What, I, I would be. Like, or I know what I would do is I'd call him or like leave a message big. Uh, I'm only here for two minutes. Oh, that's what it was. I'd page him back from the wrong number. Okay. And say, oh, I'm only there for like a couple. I was only there for a couple of minutes, and I left when you called or something. And um, like I page, I'd page him from my house, but I wasn't home. Okay. And um, I remember one time I was walking on campus at night, and he and his friends they bump into me, and he was like, oh hey, and he was like, hello. And I was like, what's wrong? And he's like, don't talk to me, you fucking asshole. Taylor, I'm not even joking. Within 30 seconds, because his friends are like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, just leave me. I'll stay here. I'll talk to him. Within 30 seconds of his friends leaving, 30 seconds, Taylor, he was blowing me in like an abandoned elevator shaft in the school. <laughs> right? But then after that, he really wouldn't talk to me. And actually, he's kind of a fierce, like, Pacific Northwest, and I think he's handsome too. Actually, I think about it. Let me see now. Um, What's his name? Oh my god, he's so cute, and he's so your type too. No, he's not. You like he's, beards, don't you? Not no, not necessarily. I mean, a well groomed beard. He doesn't necessarily look like he has one, but it's not a fan, yeah. huh? Not a fan. I mean, I'd hit. I have a feeling he's probably got his Facebook locked down. Oh, I'm sure. Okay, so let me ask you a question then. If you like redheads, what are your thoughts on the guy that plays Archie on Riverdale? He's very hot, but not a, it's not a real... You can tell it's dyed. Right, and it's a bad dye job, right? Yeah, it's bad. Okay, because it's it's almost like... It's almost like a reddish purple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, he's got a great body, but it, 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 the, the, it, he doesn't look like a redhead. It looks like somebody. And he's from like so Australia red. or New Zealand or England or something. Yeah, life. I think he's. I think he's from New Zealand. So I don't watch that show, but I just you know occasionally on Tumblr pictures of him without a shirt on come on, and I will look at them for a minute. But and then come on. Um. <laughs> Now, moving on. For example, I remember during the All-Stars 2 recap season when you, Joe, did a solo episode where you shared fun facts about Daniel and Taylor and how Taylor had been invited to California multiple times, yet he has never gone. Well, we're changing that. You're going to go. Throw in shade, Sarah. Thanks. Yes, I am going in the spring. I'm going to go. Well, we might be the summer. We don't know when it's going to be. Oh, yeah. Well, whenever the the season 10 finale is, we're going to go and and hang out and i am very much looking forward to that and i have already informed certain people that they can't go <gasps> really yeah yeah i can that be... certain person have his brother go though yeah no i know and that and that was the he tried to use the brother card 
with me. Why can't, yeah. But why can't he go? I, I don't get Why can't he go? Because he gets to go on vacations to Taiwan and Tokyo mm-hmm. and stuff. And I don't ever get to go on a vacation by myself. Oh. And I want for you and I to hang out mm-hmm. and do things. And I, 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 I want to have – I want to have an adventure with my friend Joe. Hmm. And I don't Cut want to. By day two, he's on the FaceTime crying. <laughs> I wish you would have come out here. Please come I, out here. I will pay for your ticket if you just come out here right now. Please, Joe's mean to me. We only had corn dogs for every meal. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I, I, I just feel like you know he gets to go to Tokyo for ten days. I can go to LA for I'm gonna however tell you long you'll put up with me. Buy a one, buy a one way ticket over here, and then buy two one way tickets back. Because you're going to get so fat over here. You're going to need two seats. I'm going to tell you that. Also, I guess I'd be interested in hearing more about the multiple career paths you've had in your life and your successes and insights. Currently in my late 20s and just out of grad school, and I'm considering pursuing medical school. Considering that. I've never considered that. Not because I don't want to, because like, no, what medical school would ever take me? I guess I'm facing a bit of an existential crisis. Most of my friends are around my age, all in their 20s, so they're not in a position to be giving great life advice, since they also have similar fears, worries as me. Uh, Do you think it's foolish, dumb for someone to pursue a career life path at something they love but are not necessarily super talented at? Or do you think one should only pursue a career path in an area where they have natural aptitude for and will excel at? Okay, Taylor, do you want to give your thoughts on that? I think in order for you to be successful, you have to enjoy what you do. Uh, and I, it doesn't matter if you are not good at something. If you have a passion and a desire to improve, then that is the path that you should go on. That is, that is my thought. When I think about when I first started in college and thinking I wanted to be a counselor and then I was a case manager for an AIDS organization for a while and then went back to grad school, when I think about what I was like as a counselor when I first started, I liked it, but I sucked at it. And over the years, I feel like I've gotten better at it. And now I'm now I'm a supervisor and I teach people how to be counselors and I would not do anything. I can't imagine doing anything other than what I do now. And enjoying it. So I think that even if you're not necessarily super talented at something, if there is a passion and a desire there to grow and to learn, then that's the pathway that you should go on. What do you think? I don't think I should ever give career advice to anybody because my – it actually woke me up last night in the middle of the night. Um, I – oh, this is actually a good revelation of something to Taylor, actually. So <clears> – <throat> Uh, when I was 18 years old, like I said, I was working at the school newspaper, and they had. I was reading the newspaper. We had to read every little bit of it to make sure there were no errors. And I read an ad by the Princeton Review in the in the ads. They were looking for teachers, and I thought, oh, that might be kind of fun. So I applied, and I got the job. And little, I thought it'd just be like a dumb college job, and it's literally been the thing I've done most throughout my life. And so uh, from like. All of college, I taught at the Princeton Review, and my Princeton Review career, I was there for 10 years, so like looking in my late 20s, part of the age you are now, and I pretty much held every position at the Princeton Review. Started as a teacher, moved my way up to like a site director where I was a boss of a few teachers, then, you know, blah, 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 blah,
<laughs> and um, but when I was twenty five, I know that's not the ten year route. Uh, I stopped working in the office at the Prince Interview. Little did I know that'd be the last office job I ever held. But I started. I just went to just teaching occasionally. And I started writing music videos. And so I wrote a lot of music videos. There were... It's funny. I hear them on the radio now sometimes, and they're like relics. But they were like the always like the first hit of a, of a band that had like four hits, you know? Uh, I did... I have a lot of like near misses. Oh, you know what I wrote the music video for? I wrote... But here... Okay, wait. Let me talk about the music video business. Okay. The music video business is like, I hated it, is like the advertising business. So basically, you work for a company. I work for a, a production company that doesn't exist anymore called Crash. And then one for, for one called Crossroads. And they, so the music, the record company comes out and says, you know, Green Day is coming out with a song. Here's the song. What pitch us what you would do with this song? And if they like your pitch and it works all the way up to the band, even. And everybody likes it, then your production company gets the gig, and they the whole thing happens. And I would essentially write the pitch. What invariably would happen though was very rarely would the pitch I write be the actual music video. Okay. And, and actually, so one of them is a really, and then there's all these weird, shady things that happen. So a perfect example is for the song. Um, Wasn't Me by Shaggy. Oh, God. Where I wrote this one pitch. I don't remember what it was. And we got the gig. And then the music video that aired is not the one that I wrote. Same thing with um, um, Butterfly. What's the one that... Well, come, my lady, come, come, my lady. Look, I didn't write the song. Butterfly, sugar, honey, or whatever. (laughs) I didn't write the song. I didn't write the song. No, I know, but yeah. they all look like they And there were some actually, there were some, what's funny is, you know, I don't, I'm not a big music person. So there were some that I was like, oh, this is good. That's the funny thing. Butterfly thought this is going to fucking bomb. And it was a huge hit. Yeah. And then there were songs that I'm like, oh, this is a great pop song. And it went nowhere. Uh, I remember this one, it was for the band. The, the name of the song is Leaving Town. Let me, okay, I'm gonna pull it now. I gotta open up Spotify again. You're gonna hear my fan noise again when I open up Spotify. But the the song is called Leaving Town. I can't Dexter Freebish. Dexter Freebish, yeah. Yeah, I just typed it up. And I'm gonna pull up Spotify, hold please. And uh, we'll we'll listen to it as we talk. And um I'll play I'll play some of the Joe hits here. And uh what am I looking for again? Oh wait. I know oh, he's kinda cute. Oh he was. I know I was that was in love with him. Okay. Um, let me see if that opens that up. Oh yeah, and I when I heard it, and the director did such a good job, right, on the music video. Mm-hmm. I was like, "This is a fucking hit. This song is a hit, right?" Nope, wasn't a hit. And what's funny is the gig that I hated the most because what happened? This is again a good example of twenty-five-year-old Joe Batanz thinking he's being hilarious and then paying the price was. They had a PA, a production assistant, who's kind of the peon. Mm-hmm. 
And they were like, Joe, uh, he quit like literally the day out. He was like, fuck this, I'm out of here. This is, and I'll tell you for which video it was. I'll play the song, actually. I won't even tell you. And they were like, Joe, do you want to, would you just be the PA? Wouldn't it be kind of funny? And like, I, that was friends with the director. The director was my friend. We mm-hmm. hung out all the time. It was the worst fucking, I was like, I don't know how anyone, anyone would ever be a PA. It is the worst fucking job ever. And I remember I wrote actually a. I wanted to write about it for um, uh, like a magazine or something and talk about my experience. Uh, that wasn't a thing. I could have done it now. That would have been great. Okay, here we go. This is "Leaving Town" by Dexter Freebish. I thought this was going to be a hit. We'll go to the to the chorus. All right. Okay. When I heard, I was like, "This is going to be. Everyone's going to be singing this song." It sounds so 90s when you hear it, early 2000s. I don't hear anything. You don't hear it? No. You hear now? Yeah. Let me do it again. Here we go. So when I heard it, I was like, this is going to be the biggest fucking hit ever. And I'm repeating myself. But now it's not playing. Now it's not playing. Okay, I lowered the I lowered the volume. <laughs> Do you hear it now, though? Yeah. Okay. Oh my god, this is so Star ninety five point seven. Oh, your reputation so golden. You're never lonely, and you're never home. You have to hear these songs like over and over again. Go to the chorus. But I was like, "How is this not going to be a hit?" Yeah, because it's because it's so because it's so cookie cutter, right? It's so fastball the way. Okay, so that's that song. Now, this is a song. I have so many stories about this music video. Okay? Okay, here we go. And what's funny is I hated this experience. This is one where I was the PA, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It's the song that's probably the most in the zeitgeist. There's a couple, but I think this is the one that I'm like, at the time, I was like, fuck this song, fuck this band, fuck this music video, fuck these people, fuck everybody. But I have so many stories from it. And people do covers of it now. You don't know this song? Hold on now. Her name is Noel. I have a dream about Oh my god, this song is huge. But she doesn't know 
don't know this song? No. Wow. Very like Weezer bowling for soup. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean this must like, be a generational thing. I mean, there are a ton of people who know this. I mean, this song was huge. And it was like in all the movies and everything like that. Here's it again. I always talk about these weird connections. Is when we wrote the video, in the video, Jason Biggs and Mia Who was the other girl from American Pie? I don't know. I I'm not her name. She's also an American beauty. Oh, I know the one you're talking about. Um she has the big lips. She has the big eyes and the big lips. She looks like a cupid doll. Yeah. Right. They, they were in the movie Loser, and they, were, and they had just... American Pie was the biggest thing, right? Mm. And, again, like, how would I know that I would... Then, all they talk about American Pie, American Pie, American Pie, that I would be friends, very good friends, with the director of American Pie. So, that is, again, another weird... Circular thing. Uh, we could. We, there should just be an episode where we just go through the songs that Joe's written. How about this one? Do you know? I'll do. This is another big one that was a big hit. All right, one more, and then um, we'll go back to what we were talking about with Sarah. So anyway, uh, oh no, that's not the song. <laughs> I put the name of the band. So while that does not load, I don't know why it's. Hmm. Anyway. Um, what happened was at a certain point, after a couple of years of doing that, I was like, I never see anyone over 30 here. <laughs> like, what's going on? So I got really... <laughs> Shit. I didn't know that loud. I didn't... Um, I was like, I need to do something else. And so I went back to Newport Beach and I started my own test prep company. And I ran that for eight years. And then, in the meanwhile, do you know this song? No. <gasps> oh my God, this song was so huge. In fact, I would say of all ska songs, this is the, ska, the anthem for ska songs. Who is this? Real Big Fish. Okay. A lot of my songs were like skater emo songs. Yeah, and that was that was not something I had any interest in. I didn't say I had interest in that's what I did. Well yeah, but that was a job for you. Yeah. Sell out with me, oh yeah, sell out. Anyway, um so uh let me quit Spotify so my computer can start running correctly again. Um so the point is that um I started my own test prep company, and then I did that for eight years. And then, in the meanwhile, I became friends with Chris, and he said, Hey, listen, you want to write a movie for me? And I was like, That's it. Joe's a Hollywood star. <laughs> and I like closed my business and moved to LA. And then I was like, That was five years ago now. And barely now, we're kind of maybe going to do the movie, even though because of fucking Brian Sophie, I want to just fucking just end the whole thing, you know? 
Mm-hmm. But um, because after five years, like I actually don't give a shit if it's made or not. And so now what I'm doing is, and this, this is going to be a revelation to Taylor. I don't think Taylor knows this part. Is I, for the past few months, have been actively pursuing a, starting a nonprofit uh, to help poor kids get really top-notch uh, test prep. Okay, that's the part. I think Taylor knew that part. Yes, I did know that. But as I've been working on it, you know, I put together a board of directors, you know, getting the 501c3 tax-exempt status. Last Thursday, we had our first meeting after weeks of planning and everything like that. We had our first meeting at night, right? Mm-hmm. Where we, I've already been getting contracts. I'm going to report to the board of directors. We're going to formally adopt uh, the bylaws and form the company, right? Nice. At, right. We already had it last Thursday. On, at noon on Thursday... I get a phone call from Larry Flick, host of One on One with Larry Flick on Sirius XM Radio Entertainment Weekly Radio Channel 105. Uh-huh. Um, he goes, what are you doing? And I go, sitting here? And he goes, no, like, what do you do? Like, where do you work? I'm like, I'm about the, what I was doing. He goes, oh, because Jamila quit and I wanted to offer you the job as a producer of One on One with Larry Flick. No. You have to move to New York. And I was like, I can't. And he's like, Queen, what are you doing? He's like, move to New York, produce a show, and like in two years you'll have your own show in Sirius and you can go back to LA. It's like, I already have contracts. I already have like, like tonight we are adopting this fucking non... If you would have called me in August, I would have been like, yeah, let's do this. Right. And he was like, so... Yeah, and that's... (laughs) I'm not the producer of One on One with Larry Flick, which is fine. He was like, the pay is shit. And I was like, how do I live in New York City with a shitty pay? Yeah. All right. That's amazing. Yeah. And then I was telling someone that he was like, that is the most first world problem I've ever heard in my entire life. Where it's like, sorry, I can't go work as a producer on your satellite radio show. I have to start my nonprofit. Right. But I was like, well, whatever. Do you think it's f- okay? We did that, um, Joe. What are you doing now with your Joe? What do What are you doing now, Joe, with your day to day? Okay, we got that. I understand you worked at the Prince Review at some point, correct? Also, when did Taylor know? When did you want to know you wanted to be a therapist, Taylor? Um. Uh, okay. I went to school originally when I went to undergrad. I was a going for creative writing. I wanted to be. I wanted to write comic books for a living. <clears throat> And I ended up accidentally through some by the weird twist of fate, I got accepted into a sophomore level class as a first semester freshman. And it was intro to human development. And I thought, this sounds kind of interesting. And uh, technically, I wasn't supposed to be in the class, but somehow I got into it. And I fell in love with the class. Mm Mm-hmm. And within a couple of months, I thought to myself, oh, I want to do something in social services and I want to. So I changed my major and I just did human development, you know, and I thought at that point, like, oh, well, I'll be a social worker. Or I'll be a, you know, I'll be a case manager. That was my first job at a school. And I noticed that when I had to write up all of my charting, that all of the parts as far as like you would just kind of go through and say, you know, visited client at their home medical and then you would write a bunch of stuff about their medical and you would write stuff about how they're doing financially and what's going on with their housing and then there was always psychosocial at the end 
And that was always the part that I got the most involved in. So I realized over time that I would be able to sit and talk with people about their issues and help them to process their issues. If I could figure out a way to do that, then that's what I would do. So I ended up going back to school uh, for my master's degree. And luckily at that time, my agency almost closed, but we got bought up by another agency, which is still the agency that I work for, which um, originally was just hospice, but then we do a bunch of other things. And I've that I've never looked back. I've never looked back as far as you know. But why to can't do you still? Else. Why can't you still write comic books? I could, but I didn't feel as though I knew what I was doing. So I thought if I went to school and got a creative writing degree, like I, anybody could write a comic book, I still could if I wanted to. I used to I used to create comic books when I was a kid. That was something that I did from the time I was about nine until probably like freshman sophomore year of high school like that was something a hobby i would do i would just kind of like create storyboards and i would draw i would take all of my favorite characters from marvel and all of my favorite characters from dc and put them all in a world together and they would fight bad guys and you know i I wish i still had all of those comic books because i can just imagine how horrible they are just as far as storyline goes but you know i technically still could you should. I think you should. You be like the American Splendor guy. You should do comics about your life. Oh, God. <laughs> it would be hard to do that, though, for fear of revealing something about a client. Because my work is so oh. much a part of my life that if you reveal something, then that could be that could be a problem. I get nervous on here when I tell stories about things that I've said to clients and stuff. Even though I don't give anything away. Even sometimes I try not to use gender I'm always worried because, again, you never know who's listening to the show. And while I've never had a client come up to me and say, I know you're Taylor, there's always a possibility that clients could be listening, you know, especially some of our younger clients that talk about they watch Drag Race. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've wondered that sometimes if kids figure out, the local kids figure out who I am and know that I could, you know, oh, they could, I could be counseled by Taylor the Latte Boy. <laughs> So they come to me for cat therapy and just don't ever tell me that they know me from a podcast. Mary, meanwhile, Joe's wrong. <laughs> Wink. Right. Um, okay, let's move on with this here. Okay. Amid all the jokes you guys throw, both of you also have great and wonderful insights on human behavior and what it means to be a kind person. And I genuinely love that about both of you, too. While you are always joking and being sarcastic, you also show that you're vulnerable and insecure about things. It makes you seem really human and real. LOL. I know that's dumb, but I'm not all podcasters are like that. Okay? Which is why we got rid of him. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I wouldn't mind hearing about your love lives. When did Taylor meet Babalu and where? Uh, Taylor met Babalu. It'll be 10 years this March. That we met, and we met online. We met on Bear Four One One, and then we decided to meet for coffee, and we met at a Starbucks in Saint Petersburg. Is and it that still there, there? That Starbucks? Yes. Will yes. you guys go there on your ten year anniversary? We might. That's actually a really good idea. We might do that. Have you guys ever done that before? Gone and go like, oh, this we, is where we met. went on an anniversary. I think we went on our five year anniversary. We did go oh, there. Okay. We went out for sushi, and then we had a coffee there. That's actually a really good idea. So, Does Taylor ever want kids? I used to. Not anymore. 
I, I, I think at this point, I, I feel like I'm too old, honestly. And while it would be nice, I, I don't think I am patient or mature enough to have children. So no, you have, you're married to one. I know. Well, I was going to make that joke, but I decided not to. Also, do you think you ever want to be married someday, Joe? Well, I don't know. This is something that Taylor wouldn't know this because by the time he and I started doing this show, I don't know if this was a thing anymore. But for a long time, the big thing with me and group therapy was I was opposed to relationships. I felt relationships were pointless. Like, what was the point? You know, that because, you know, I was in a, in a gay men's group therapy. So people were always coming in with their relationship problems. So in my head, I was always like, look at that. Every single time I, I come in here. It's people just bitching about how terrible their relationship is. Mm-hmm. And it was evidence for me that I shouldn't I didn't want a relationship that I always wanted to be forever single. And Cameron sort of fell on me so to speak he was the one but again people probably i think talked about a little bit on the show there's a person that i really really like a former student that we were kind of friendly and i found out the other people that he feels that i seduced cameron as part of some of my weird you know praying on the young boys kind of thing and i i want to i actually am very tempted during this holiday season to take him out for a beer and be like i know i don't owe this to you and you don't deserve it, but I need to. I want to set the record straight here. Like, it was something that I fought for a long time with Cameron. He was always thought it would be the greatest idea in the world for us to date. And I fought it for a long time. Then finally, he just wore me down. I remember the day I was like, I'm going to date this person. And, um, and then we dated and. and and it, if anything positive came out of that relationship, I really liked having a boyfriend. I really liked it. Uh-huh. Really liked it. Even even the bad parts. Because I was thinking like, okay, this is not good. But I like this. Uh-huh. You know, I liked showing up to places with somebody and also being able to leave a place and and, and deconstruct what happened that night. You know? Yeah. I liked having plans i don't know if that makes any sense no that but makes that makes total sense even the fights the fights are worth it if that makes sense like no like the, the arguments and everything it's it it feels it's it's i'd i'd rather have nights where i fight with babaloo than mm-hmm. to not have babaloo if that makes sense no 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 i totally Totally get it. One of the things I've talked about, I don't know, I don't know what, I, you know what, my life is so blurred now. I don't know what I talk about on shows, what show I talk about it on, and where I talk mm-hmm. about it. But with Cameron, it's one of these things where, and I again, this sounds like a negative. One of the sad things I've been dealing with now is not, like the relationship part, I feel like I've mourned it, I've buried it. What I still can't get over, and I didn't realize, I would have, if you would have asked me two years ago. I would have said my best friend was Adam Vaught, right? Mm-hmm. I did not realize Cameron was my best friend. And that when we broke up, I lost my best friend. 
okay. you know? And I think I'm barely getting to that. It's almost like one of those pup push-ups, you know, those, those ice creams. The push- yeah. Do they still sell those? I think so. Where they're in that cardboard tube. Mm-hmm. And I think my morning of the relationship, first I had to, you know, the first flavor was the actual relationship part. And so now that's gone. But now what's left is, oh, I lost a person like, and I know, look, again, I'm not dumb, but I know I will meet other people. But that's the thing in, in, in that famous, I don't know how involved with my love life you are, Sarah, but like when Cameron wrote, everyone remembers Cameron writing to me via the Square app. You know, you're being neither cute nor endearing. Mm-hmm. Stay away from me, you inconsiderate asshole. But they don't remember what I wrote to him was about this, which was, it's like having your favorite TV show canceled. And look, there are other TV shows that you like, but I'm never going to have that TV show again. There'll be, never be any more new episodes. And Cameron and I, I, I'll never have another connection like the one I had with Cam, which was a very... Special connection that I miss very, very much. I miss mm-hmm. it so much. It's um, not and not only is it just like a friendship way, but also just in terms of I feel I'm older because of it. And I don't I don't mean that in a physical way, but Cameron embodied his age. If that makes any sense, uh, Cameron, Cameron was like a physical manifestation of his age to the nth degree. He represents it so much and so well. So like Sweet Michael is Cameron's age. Um, Evan is Michael's age. I mean, Cameron's age, but they're kind of like, I don't want to say little old men cause they're still young, but they're on that path. Cameron had a way of sort of embodying the youthfulness of it. Yeah. And so like, look, I mean, think about the square app thing. Like only he would think to use the square app to contact me, you know? And so Cameron was always on the cutting edge of pop culture and so a lot of the pop culture that I appreciated I appreciated because of Cameron mm-hmm. so like he's the one that introduced me to you know Nathan for you or to um Lady Dynamite which I know you hate but um like and we enjoyed I like I really really enjoyed him he and he was thoughtful about them and I don't have anybody else like that anymore and I miss that but so but to answer your question it makes me think no Again, I'll never have that again. I'm not going to try and replace him, but but I it has made me go like, no, you know what? And this is why I'm on my weight loss kick, even though November is going to be nil. Um, I'm on my weight loss kick because like it's time to meet somebody and start something new with somebody else. It's time to do that. And so, do I think I'll ever get married? I don't know, but am I open to a relationship? Yes. Um, okay, that makes those- me happy to hear. Oh, okay. Those are mostly it. I honestly wish I could be friends with the both of you. I wish I had friends who were as funny and kind and wise as the two of you, not trying to be creepy, but I think <laughs> you're totally creepy. But I think I've probably failed that because internet and text make it hard to convey context and intent. Tis all. Also, you don't have to talk about everything I mentioned if it's too much, but I would like to hear your views about choosing a career that we're okay, but we should cover that. And that's her letter. Taylor, do you have any, do you have a comment on what I said? Have any topics come up that you think... Oh, we didn't explore that. We didn't. I want you to go deeper into that, Joe. I'm trying to think about it with you. Now, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything we didn't cover. I think we covered everything. I don't know how to end this. Well, I know how to end it. 
Well, that concludes this very special episode of RuPaul's Drag Race for Sa- recap for Sarah Yu. Uh, Sarah, thank you very much for supporting us, not only on Patreon, but even before that, you would always write us emails, and you were always one of our biggest fans and supporters, and we've always, always appreciated it. Absolutely. So, for Taylor Velate Boy and myself, Sashay Away. Until next... Until next week. I don't know. I don't know when (laughs) the next show's gonna be, so... Yeah, well, you're gonna come out in theory next week to her. Um, Okay. Bye, Sarah. Bye, Sarah.